0: Thank you so much. We appreciate it. We've had so much celebration already. We, we're ready to move on, all right? Thank you, guys. If you have time, we'll get you the information about when these classes are going to start. But we've talked to people who've gotten completely out of debt by just following what you're going to learn there. So um, let's make it a priority if you can, because I think it'll be a great time to learn how to let go. Because sometimes the problem is the money has really got a hold of us. If it isn't the money, then it's that idea of buying and the new that gets a hold of us. And we need to learn to let it go. All right. Well, church, how are you? Good morning. Great to see you. It's already been a great day of celebration. And while I said to you, if all we ever did was the baptism, that would be enough. I wasn't kidding, but we're still going to do more. All right? And there's a reason for that, because God has something he wants to share with you today. That's a great time. Celebration and the singing and everything else is wonderful. But there's something that we need to look at this morning. And so that's what we're going to do for the rest of our time together. We are right now in the beginning of a series, actually about the second or third time, called, let's see if we can get it to come up here, Back to Basics, God and Grace. Okay, there is so much to Christianity, so much has been written about Christianity. If I brought in, I could bring in piles and piles of theology books, they'd cover the stage. It's phenomenal what people have written about Christianity. But you know, all we want to do in these few weeks is just talk about the very basics of Christianity. That doesn't mean that you can't study or that you shouldn't study more and more and more. That's a wonderful thing to do. But I want to just really talk about the very basics of what we believe. So on this paste on this passage right here. Ready? And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And that's because this series is called Back to the Basics, God and what? Grace. And what we learned at the very basic level of Christianity a few weeks ago is if you wanted one word to describe Christianity, it isn't the word love. That actually is a word that gets in the way. If you truly understood the biblical idea of love, okay, you got it, that, wouldn't work, that would be all right. But in our culture and in our language, the word love means so many different things that it really doesn't work if you say, well, Christianity is all about love. Well, what does that mean? Is it love like Eros love, like sexual love? Is it love like boyfriend love? Is it love like, you know, I love the Dodgers who are today, we're going to clinch the Western Division? Yes! Okay. Or I love my wife. I Love just, what does it mean? But how about this? The word grace is a great word because this is what grace really means. It means we deserve nothing. Everything we have is a gift from our Father. He is the perpetual Giver of things. He gives. He gives us life. He gives us understanding. He gives us help. Everything we have is by grace. We exist because of grace. We are loved because of His grace. Grace is the very essence, the very center point of Christianity. That's why this passage that we just read is so important. God's grace will abound and provide everything we need, including, by the way, the knowledge of God. Is by our brilliance and our ability to stand back and study God? No. Because if you stand back and you try to study God, you won't learn a thing. You can study, as we talked about, how a car works. You can study volcanoes because you can take those apart. You can look at them. You can see them. But God isn't like that. You can't take him apart. You can't see him. The only thing we know about God is what he has chosen by his grace to reveal to us. Nobody has ever discovered anything about God. God has revealed to that person a bit of who he is. And he did so by his, what? Grace. To study about God is a wonderful thing and to learn about him is great, but I have to know that it's not like studying any other subject. I only know what God has chosen to reveal to me. And he's chosen to reveal to us several different ways. There's through nature, you can learn a little bit about God as he reveals himself through nature. Last time we got together, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about him revealing who he is through his word. In a little while, we'll talk about him revealing a far more full explanation of who he is through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, because he is a revelation of God. It comes up in a couple of weeks. Today, we want to just kind of focus on a couple basic questions. Ready? Here's two major questions in life. You've got to answer these. First of all, Is there a God? Now, I can't prove it. There's evidence for God. We go through the evidence. Don't have time. Lots of books out there that talk about that. You have to answer that for yourself. That's what, by the way, sometimes the teenage years are so difficult for people. Because when they're kids, you say, is there a God? And they say, yes. Why? Because my dad told me so, or my Sunday school teacher told me so, or my pastor tells me so. That's what children think. Then they get to be teenagers. Suddenly, they start to, this is a terrible thing for themselves. And you say, well, why is there a God? And they say, I don't know. I don't know. You've got to answer the question. You can't live on your Sunday school teacher's faith or your pastor's faith or your parents' faith for very long. At some point, you have to grow out of that. It won't be enough. You can't build your life on that. At some point, you have to decide, is there a God? Which then brings us to the second question. Okay, let's just assume now that you believe that there is a God. Then the second question is this. What's he like? All right. Now, what is he like? That's the question on the most basic level. What is God like? Now, we can go into the intricacies. We can go into the great theologies. We can do all that kind of stuff. But on the most basic level, what is God like? So here's the phrase I want you to remember today. Ready? Here it is. God is and is not. Say that with me. Ready? God is and is not. One more time. God is and is not. When you walk out of here, at the end of this day, that's the phrase I want you to remember. Now we're going to fill it in a little more completely for you. But there it is. I want you to understand what God is, but I really want you to understand what God is not. As a matter of fact, that second part is so important that that's where we're going to start. Ready? God is not. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. Many people start with a faith in God, particularly as children. Sometimes, even as adults and teens, when you first come to God, it's a very simple, simple, simple faith. And you believe certain things about God, and you're wrong. The things you believe aren't true. And when you find out they're not true, it shakes your whole faith in God. That's why quite often students who've grown up in a strong church but really have never been taught to think, they go off to college and they get into even in a Christian school and they listen to a philosophy professor and they walk out no longer believing in God. When I was on staff at uh, Northwest Nazarene University, um, I used to get phone calls from angry parents because um, they said, we sent you such a great kid and they were so strong in their faith and now they don't even know what they believe and I understand. Now what I never said to them was, well, you sent them with a very simple faith and that faith has been challenged and some of the things they believed about God were wrong and now they know they're not true and so they're questioning. It's hard. I am going to give you permission right now to, it's okay to not believe in the gods we're going to talk about right here, because God is not. And if this is the God that you think is, I'm going to encourage you to stop believing about him, those things. And let's see if we can't build it back. Tony Compolo, who also was working at a college back east, had a young man walk in and say, I, just, I don't believe in God anymore. I'm just walking away from my I don't even believe in God. And, and Tony said, well, tell me about this God you don't believe in. And so he went on and on about all the things that he thought was God. And Tony said, congratulations, you are well on your way to being a Christian. Because the God you just described to me doesn't exist. Never did. It's time to give him up. Let me tell you about the God who does exist. Ready? Here we go. Write this down. Here we go. God is not my grandfather. All right. All right. Now some of you think, and a grandfather guy, God, let's say I am a grandfather, grandfathers tend to be, they're not always that way, but they tend to be those nice old guys, You sit in their lap, they buy you candy, they're real sweethearts, that kind of stuff. That's what, a, yeah, right, Chelsea, huh? That's, uh, that's what a grandfather is, and so that's how you think God is, he's just a sweetie pie, he's an old man, sits up there and kind of likes us, and buys us a trinket every now and then, and uh, the problem with that kind of thinking is, it's not going to get you anywhere, it's nothing you can build your life on. And when you get yourself in a real tough situation or when perhaps God doesn't act the way a grandfather should act, you say, well, maybe there is no God. Instead of saying, maybe I've been wrong about God, maybe he isn't like a grandfather, you begin to say, well, maybe there isn't a God after all. How about this? God is not Santa Claus. Now, let me tell you the the whole dynamic of Santa Claus. When you're good, you get a present. When you're bad, you get cold. That's Santa Claus. Many people, believe it or not, that is their concept of God. When I do good, when I'm a good person, God blesses me and everything goes well. When I am a bad person, then God punishes me, and I get something bad. And they really get into trouble when they've been a really good person, and they get a lump of coal. Or they see somebody else who's been a really bad person, And they get a huge present. By now, you've probably accepted the fact, if you haven't, you need to. Life's not fair. You can be good and get coal. You can be bad and get a present. Millions of dollars. And if you think God is Santa Claus, then you begin to say, well, you know what? Maybe there is no God. No, there is a God. The problem is he's not Santa Claus. Give him up. This God never existed anyway. God is not. Ready? My security detail. I love the, uh, the, the you know, the elections are going on now, and of course they're all surrounded by these guys in the black suits and the sunglasses and the little earpiece things, and the president and other important people have their security detail. The, the whole thing of a security detail is to protect the person, okay? They are, they're there to make sure that nothing bad happens. They're there to make sure that, that they stop anybody from really hurting them, and they're even willing to take a bullet for them. You know, that's the security detail, and that's your God, isn't he? He's there to make sure that nothing bad ever happens in your life. And then you get the call, and the doctor says, well, it's cancer. We're not talking about you. We're talking about your child. Where's your security detail? Maybe there is no God. Something really bad happened, and he was supposed to protect me. And he didn't. So maybe there is no God. No, there's a God. But he's never been, has never promised to be your security detail. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised exactly the opposite. One time he looked at his disciples and said, you know, as long as you live in this world, guess what you're going to have? Trials, tribulations, and problems. It comes with life. I'm not your security detail. I'm not here to protect you from all of the problems. I promise you, you'll have them. What he did promise, however, is he was greater than those problems. But that's not a security detail. God is not my accuser. It's amazing how many people actually see God this way. They see him, remember the grandfather the nice guy up there, or maybe the, the, the accuser is the exactly, God is this angry, vengeful, look what you've done to my life, look what you've done to my, to my world. Oh, man, and, and what's interesting about this is we kind of have this idea that God loves us, generally but he hates us personally you know does god love yes god loves us but he's really mad at me long ago peanuts cartoon kind of captured this when the lucy looked at linus and said you just don't like people that's your problem this is what linus says right there i love mankind it's people i can't stand and sometimes that's how we think god sees oh i love you generally conceptually yes i love humanity but individually I really don't like them very much because they're so sinful. And so you think that God is up there accusing you, pointing the finger. You're this and you're that and you're this and you're bad and look what you did here and look what you did there and look what you did over here. Now, actually, Scripture tells us there is one who accuses us, but it's not God. Who is it? Satan. That's his job. That's what he does. His job is to accuse. God doesn't accuse. God redeems. He reconciles. He builds anew. How about this one? God is not my manager okay now here it is this is the whole thing that if I turn my life over to God God will manage all of my situations and everything will turn out wouldn't it be nice to have a personal assistant like that who took care of all the little details and and booked all your flights just the way they should be and managed all your money you had everything you need because they were your personal assistant they were your manager and we turn our life over to God and he doesn't manage it the way we think he should We do turn our life over to God, and the next thing you know, we find ourselves on the mission field in Africa, and we think, what happened here? This isn't where I really wanted to be. But God is not the manager of my life. My father will lead, and he'll do some guiding and some things like that, without a doubt, but he's not going to manage every detail of my life. Let me just ask you, how many of you, I don't really really want to know, really believe that God told you to wear the clothes you're wearing this morning. Did any of you actually, before you came here, get down on your knees and say, Father, should it be this shirt or the next shirt? And you pray, oh, Father, thank you for managing my It's this shirt. That's the one you want me to wear. If that's where you are with God, can I tell you, you're not talking to God. I know who you're talking to. Does God want you to wear a shirt? Yeah, probably. Um, I Just, yeah, let's just leave it right there, okay? But which shirt, who cares? See, we believe that God gives us freedom within limits. He does set limits, limits, or modesty. He says, okay, now in between here, you want to wear cowboy boots, wear them. And you want a black loafer kind of guy, wear them. We have people who come in almost every Sunday in shorts. That's because their knees are gorgeous. Isn't that right? <laughs> okay. Other people, I don't. it's all right. God said, here's the limits now give you freedom. He doesn't manage. And yet we get mad at him when our life doesn't work out the way that it should like he's supposed to manage. How about this as we really move from this final what God is not. God is not understandable. And some people walk away from God. Some people get frustrated with God because they can't understand him. I just don't understand why he's doing this. I'm leaving. I just don't understand how it could happen this way. I'm leaving. I don't understand why this I'm leaving. And in their mind, they believe in a God that they can comprehend and understand. And because they can't understand Him, there's no God. Ready? You will never comprehend and understand Him. God is not understandable. Which means, He's not always predictable. And by the way, God does not explain himself to us. Maybe one day, maybe one day, we'll get up there and he'll explain everything. Or maybe we'll get up there and we won't care anymore. But down here, nope, things will happen. Some things he will cause, some things he will not cause, things he will allow. Some things he will do, other things he will not do. And he never sets us down and says, now let me explain to you why I'm doing this. Sometimes we look for those explanations. Sometimes we find them in the most weird positions, in the weird places. When in fact the truth is, maybe the explanation is beyond our comprehension. And the truth is, God is not understandable. Alright? Are we ready with, with God? Now if you believed in any of these gods, please stop it! I give you permission to walk away from that God because he never existed anyway. It was all something in your head, something you were told, but it was never God. Now on the most basic level then, let's talk about this. What or who is God? God is, ready? First of all, existence now this is going to hurt your head I'm a philosophy major it hurts my head I'd love to spend a lot of time on this because I love this kind of thing but we won't spend much time on it because many of us will go what are you talking about what do you mean he's existence Just that he exists well don't I exist well yeah kind of except that for me there's a because see with God there's no because I exist because of what because God exists you exist because what? God exists. This world exists because God exists. God exists. There is no because. When Moses wanted to find out his name, because all the gods had names, and if he was going to go back and represent God to the Jewish people so he could lead them into the promised land, he needed to have a name. Nobody knew his name. He'd been called Elohim, which is just kind of the general God. And so Moses says, if I go back there and tell them I saw you face to face and we've been talking this way, they're going to want to know your name. What name did he give them? He gave them the Hebrew name Yahweh, which means what? Here it is. Take a look at this. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I exist. I am existence. That's what you're to say to the Israelites I am has sent me to you. He is. Everything else has a because. He is the is without a because. I told you this would hurt your head. Some of you are already tuned out. That's okay. We'll try to bring you back as we as we get closer. But some of you just can't deal and I understand that. But on this basic level, this is what we mean when we use when we talk about God, he is existence. Everything else exists because he exists, which means this, a couple of things. First of all, he is eternal. All right? Everything else had a beginning. Now, I may live forever, and we believe in eternal life, and so I will live forever, and you will live forever, but there was a time I didn't exist at all. I came into being, and now I will live forever. I am not eternal. My future is eternity, but when I look back, there's a point when I wasn't. God is eternal. He has always been. Always, it's always in that the big issue when we're talking about the, the, you know, how the world came into being in the cosmos and things of that nature. The Big Bang theory explains how things maybe came to look the way they look, but it never explains what. Where did all the stuff come from that made the Big Bang? Okay, it, where did all that come from? He is eternal. Take a look at this. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He's always been alive and is himself God. Very beginning of the book of John. He has always been here. There is never a beginning. He has always been. As a matter of fact, the reason we have our time with this is he created, when he created the world, he also created something called time. And that's where we live. We cannot imagine life without time. Eternity doesn't mean time. And ti- it means there is no time. Now, is your head hurting enough yet? Okay, we're m- moving on. Don't worry. I just want you to understand at this most basic level, this is what we mean. God is the source of all existence which means this. He is the creator and not the rearranger. Okay? He is the creator, not the rearranger. Everything that has ever been created let's talk about the creation of of songs. Let's talk about the creation of great buildings. Let's talk about the creation maybe of a beautiful painting and you have this creator who creates a beautiful painting. Really, you know what they did? They rearranged things that already were. They took pigments and they took oils and they rearranged those and then they put them onto a canvas and suddenly we say they created this picture. Well, yeah, except they really didn't create. They rearranged something that already was into something new. God did not rearrange the universe. There was nothing. And then there was. Because God said, let there be. He created out of nothing. Take a look at this passage. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. That's it. It's simple. Nothing. The stars, the molecules, the quarks, because when I first went to college, we all we understood about atoms was the nucleus and the proton, the neutron, and the electron. Now afterwards, of course, everything I learned has been thrown out because now we know so much more. But at a very basic level, God created every single thing there is. There was nothing but God. And then God said, let there be. And there was. Which means this also, God is powerful. So he he is existence, not existence, he's eternal, and he's also the the creator, not the end, but he's powerful. And you say, well, of course he's powerful. No, 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 no. Do you comprehend how powerful he is? It's one thing to, we would say, magically say, let there be a dog, and there's a dog. Do you know how big the universe is? Do you have any understanding of how big this creation is? This is what Scripture says. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stirred firm. I want to show you something right here. I've shown you this before a long time ago, but I want you to see it again. Here's a different PowerPoint about the relative size so you can see how big God is. Now, what we have right here is you see the size of the earth right there? Venus, Mars, Mercury, Pluto. Okay, Earth is one of the biggest of the planets. But let's move on. Now, there is Earth. You see Earth right there? I didn't bring my little pointer. I should have done that. So here's Earth down there. And now we see, of course, Pluto, which they don't even call a planet anymore. But look at how big Jupiter is compared to Earth. God spoke it all into existence. Okay, let's move on. Now this is the sun. You can see that little dot down there. That's the earth. This is the sun. One million Earths fit inside the sun. But the sun is a very small star, okay? Let's move on. Now, that's the size of our sun. Next to it is Sirius, and then Pollux, and Arcturus right there. You can see how much bigger that sun is, which exists in a different part of our galaxy. Let's move on. Now, here we go. There is uh, Arcturus. Okay, remember that great big one down there? This is Arcturus right here. This is now Arcturus. Can we go back to the other one? Okay, here's Arcturus compared to our sun, Let's move forward. Here is now Arcturus, compared to Rigel and all the rest, and finally Antares. And if you think that's big, we well, haven't even seen anything yet. Let's go on to the next one. That's Antares, and that is now Can- Canis Majoris. Let me tell you how big that star is. If you got into a passenger jet flying at the t- pretty typical 550 miles an hour, and you started around that sun. It would take you 1,100 years to go around once. And he said, I want it. We're not done yet. These are just some of the stars in our galaxy. Just in our little galaxy. Take a look at this. Those are each galaxies. Every single thing. They're not stars. You can't even see individual stars here. Every one of those little swirly things is its own galaxy with billions and billions of stars like we just saw. In fact, one time the Hubble telescope, they focused it on a little piece up in the sky. If you took up a a grain of sand and you put it up in the sky right there, said, now, let's focus the Hubble telescope right on that little grain of sand. This is what they saw. Next slide. That's it. Let's count the galaxies in there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, twenty, thirty, forty galaxies or more. In that little grain. And the next little grain there'd be another one, and the next little grain, another one, and over here, and over here, and over here, and over there, and over there. Everyone filled with billions of stars. And it all happened because our father said Our God he is existence he is the reason everything exists there has never been a beginning to him there will never be an end he didn't just rearrange things he created and the power of his voice is amazing. how about this God is also here God is involved now here's the most incredible thing we know we understand he's powerful he's all this but how about this God is so powerful and so big he spoke all of this stuff but he's also Get ready. Involved in your life. Take a look at this passage. Are not two sparrows sold for a sin and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. God, who spoke Antares and and, and all those galaxies, he knows when a little bitty bird dies. See, for me, the most incredible thing to understand isn't that he's powerful. That that actually makes a lot of more sense to me when I step outside and I see the star. Ooh. For me, what's the most amazing thing is that powerful God is involved in my life and involved in his creation. One final thing, and we're going to wrap it up here real soon. And that is simply this. On its most basic level, God is good. He's existence. Yeah. He's eternal. yeah. He's the creator, not the rearranger. Yeah, I got that. Powerful, my word. Involved. But here's the best news of it all. He's good. He is a good God. Take a look at this passage right here. Because... Sometimes we don't understand his goodness really because we don't comprehend and he's not understandable. We, things happen and we wonder if God actually has a mean streak in him. 1 John, this in, in essence is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. Here it is. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in him. Think about the best person you've ever known. Think about the best person you've ever heard of has ever lived in history. Unless that person that you're thinking of is Jesus Christ, every person you're thinking of has somewhere in their life a dark streak. As good as we may make them out in history books, somewhere in their life, in their soul, there's something dark. Sometimes we hear about it long after they're gone. And many of our heroes get taken down off the pedestal because we thought they were so good and we found out there was darkness in them we didn't realize. Well, here's the news. There's darkness in us all except God. No darkness. Nothing bad. Nothing evil. Nothing harmful. Nothing did you ever have to be ashamed of nothing that we ever have to cover up, nothing that we ever have to say, well, you know, that's God, and we understand, no one's perfect. In God, there is no darkness. And the best way I can describe it to you on its most basic level is, yes, God is existence. He has always existed. We all have a because. There is no because with God. He is existence. He is the eternal one. He's the creator. He's Powerful. And he is involved, but here's the best news of all. He's good. Can I understand him? I already told you, you can't understand him. If that's your God, throw it out. You can't understand him. Now let's go back to that very first statement I gave you. Remember what it was? God is and is not. Say that with me. God is and is not. I'm going to tell you now what you get to say. One more time. God is and is not. All right? On the most basic level. What are we talking about? Here we go. Ready? God is God. And God is not like us. Okay? If anybody says, well, tell me about God. Well, God is and is not. God is God. I can't tell you any more than that. And God is not like us. And many of us get into trouble because we try to just take the humanity that we have and human beings, we superimpose it on God and say, well, God is just a glorified human. By the way, there are religions that teach that. They actually teach that God is nothing more than a glorified human. And by the way, if God can be a glorified human, one day you could be a glorified humanist too. I won't go into the details of what that all is. I can teach a class on it, but it's true. There are religions, big religions, top-name religions out there that believe that. We don't. God is God, completely separate. He is who he is, I am that I am, and he's not like us, so stop trying to see him in any way as a human, because he's not like, take a look at these passages, I am the Lord, that's my name, I will not give my glory to another, or my praise to idols, I am, I'm God, well tell us, I'm God, who I am, it's what I am, I am the Lord your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. That's who I am. I'm I'm God. God is God. The next one, I'm the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I'm it. I'm existence. I'm eternal. I'm the creator. I'm powerful. I'm involved, and I'm good. I'm God, he says. That's who I am. And the more we try to envision him as a human being, the farther we get away from a true understanding of who he is. He's God. Now, some of us struggle with this because many of us still believe in the understandable God. Many of us don't like questions without answers. We want the answers. And God, if you really are God, you should be able to explain yourself to me. Which is kind of like if my hamster that my daughter has as a pet could speak and could say, well... Help me understand who you are I would say, you're a hamster. How could you possibly understand who I am? You know little wheels and pellets and what you do. You eat and poop and sleep. How could you possibly know me and understand me? You understand that there's a much closer relation between a hamster and me? Much closer similarity than there is between me and God? God is God and he's not like us. God even says it. Take a look at this. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. I'm not human. I'm not a human. I don't think like you think. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I don't feel like you feel. I don't see like you see. I don't think like you think. I don't f- I'm not like you. Well, what are you? I'm God. I don't understand. Yes, now you're getting it. Good. Yeah. You're real close here. I just am. You are because I am. I am because I am. Let me show you how much he's not like us. As many of you, like myself, have struggled with this. Here we are, and we're done. He exists in a trinity and in perfect harmony with himself. And all the people said, what? What are you talking about? Yep, now you got it. Very good. Let me show you how different he is. I don't exist in a trinity, and and sometimes you do that. Well, I've got body, soul, and spirit. If we just get rid of all those dumb illustrations, that would be lovely. God isn't like us at all. Well, God's like an egg, you know, the shell and the, the yolk. No, God isn't anything like an egg, and it has nothing to do with the shell and the yolk and nothing. Well, well, God's like me because I'm I'm a a, a father and a pastor and male, and so those are my. No, God isn't anything like that at all. Nothing, nothing, father. Well, then how do we explain the Trinity? What's the answer to that? You don't. How do we understand eternity? What's the answer? We can't. He is not like us. Not at all. But let me show you. God revealed to us that he is a trinity because we wouldn't know that it's not like we can study him and find he had to reveal it he revealed it in the very first book in the bible in genesis when he's getting ready to make man he says then God said let us make man who's he talking to are you ready he's talking to himself well how can that be well how could Jesus be part of the trinity and God is praying to the father okay could I tell you I don't know he's not like me he exists in the trinity and he's not like me at all. I can't do that. But then again, I'm not God. God is God, isn't he? Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the air and the livestock and over all the earth and over all the creatures. God said to himself, I'm going to make them like me, which means we have a moral choice. How about this passage though? and we've already used it today. As a matter of fact, it was very important It's something that happened earlier. When Jesus finally gave what we call the great commandment. He looked at his disciples and he called them together. And he said this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in what? The name of? How can that be? He's God. He's not like me. How could a human being do that? You can't. But you're not God. You're a human being. God is God. And I understand for some of you, you're still not ready to accept that because that is so unsatisfying. You want him explained. You want to be able to have the nice little illustration you can tell your neighbor all about it. you put it down a little track and say, "This is God. What's going to happen is probably you're going to wind up believing in one of those gods that is not. And then your faith will be tested because the God that you believe in never really existed and it won't hold up to life. Here it is. God is God and he's not like us. He exists in Trinity in perfect harmony with himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How can that be? I don't know, he's God. One day I'll ask him. I've asked him, but he just won't tell me. Besides, he probably looks at me and says, your head would explode. I could tell you, but it would be messy. Let's not do that. Let's wait until you're up here. and Maybe then you can handle it. But right now, Doug, you just couldn't even handle it. Okay, thank you, Father. I don't want my head to explode. God is God. He's not like us. God is existence. He is eternal. He is the creator. He is powerful, incredible when you see what he's done by the power of his word. God is involved. But here it is. God is good. This powerful, eternal creator, God who is not like me, the one I've given my life over to, the one I trust, the one I'm trying to learn about, the one I'm trying to follow, the un, I can't understand him, the incomprehensible God is good. All right. I can live with that. Father, thank you. Because that's, when it comes right down to it, that's really where we have to be. We, we have to just trust that you exist But we don't understand you, it can't be done, and we put restrictions on you that fall apart, and we put explanations that fall apart. What we just want to accept right now, Father, is that you are, and you are God, and we are not, and at your very heart, you're good, and that's what we thank you for right now.